Well, as we venture into the second series of Luke chapter 12, I have an important question that I think a lot of people have asked. And that question was, is if you had one week to live, how would you spend that week? You know, would you be fulfilling a lifelong dream? Would you uh, make sure that you said your goodbyes to all your loved ones? Uh, would you indulge in all the, the pleasures in life that you've always wanted to do? Would you be completing that bucket list of what it is that you've always wanted to do in life? And, and so, Jesus warned his followers, which is all of us, to not wait until the last minute to do something that's most important to you. And the most important thing is receiving Him as Lord and Savior. See, a lot of times people will make what we'd like to call a, a deathbed uh, conversion. To where we've waited until the last minute... In order to receive the Lord. And praise God for that opportunity. Because not everybody gets that. But people who hope to have an experience. A deathbed conversion. They've often wanted to live for themselves. You know they've, they've enjoyed all of their life's uh, activities. And maybe some of the vices that they've had over the years. That, that's kind of kept them from the Lord. And, and you realize at the end of, the, of those lives. That people have become very rooted in their ways. And so our death might occur at a fulfilled old age possibly. Or we might even die next time that we uh, jump in the car to go run an errand. But if, if there's anything that could be said of what the Lord has been warning us to do. That if we haven't done already. It's to make our life right with God right now. You know to, to receive him. To, to do our best to obey Him during this lifetime of ours. Because I've said before that, that there's a couple things that, that I've seen through the Word. There's a couple of things I've seen through experience that really seem to please the Lord. And those two things are faith and obedience. And so it, it might be some years down the road before, you know, today that you, you would draw close to God maybe. But I hope not, but better than than never. But he's, again, he's giving us signs. He's giving us, uh, he's giving us signs to, to not have to live that way. He's giving us instructions on how to live while we're here in this life that we're living now. Uh, there was a man by the name of Elton Trueblood who, uh, I'm going to quote what he said here, and I thought it was a beautiful quote, which says that our life is a gift from God. What we do with that life is our gift to God. Because after all, that is the gift that He gave us. And, and in the life of our family members, our children, was given us the opportunity to create for them also the best life they could live. Or do we create the hardest life that they could live possibly? See, again, the Lord in chapter 12, in the very beginning... He warned us of, of hypocrisy. He taught us uh, about the fear of God and, and to confess Christ before men. He taught us about the, the parables of the rich and so on and so forth. And then he also taught us not to worry about certain things in life because of God being our provider of all things. And, and so he's, he's taught us not to worry 
about the things that we most worry about, whatever that might be, most of the time it's finances. Uh, maybe it's it's our jobs or whatever the case may be. But again, with life, there's some deeper aspects that that we are going to see. And so we want to take a look today in in the second series of chapter twelve. We're going to, he's also going to be teaching us about faithful servanthood and also those of evil servants. You know, the, um, discerning the time and making peace with adversaries. I want to give us again just kind of that heads up of the great things that we're in for because the Lord again in the Gospels, the good news is is. Such a wonderful venture of reading. Each chapter, each verse, each book that I have the opportunity to teach fulfills in one way, shape, or form. And though I've read these before, maybe I've taught some of these chapters, every time I study, every time I I teach it, something new comes into mind. Something new is revealed every time. So I pray again that as, as you follow along, we're in Luke chapter 12, we're going to be starting in verses 35, that you will see what the Lord has to say to you. Because again, chapter 12, as I've mentioned in the previous chapter that we did, chapter 12 is about 98% of the words of Christ that was documented in this chapter. So everything I'm reading to you is pretty much from the words of our Lord, and that is what you want to follow and pay attention to very closely. We're going to start off in verse 35. It says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. You know, Jesus was always reminding the disciples of certain things. And this was one of them, which was his return. And we know that he did return after three days from his death. But he's reminding them of a future return. A future with no date or time. Which he told them that he would die and return in three days. And that he would descend into the center of the earth and he and be back from there. And he did that already. It already happened. And what he's talking about is another return that we've all been waiting for for the past 2,000 years since he ascended into heaven. When Israel became its own nation in 1947, there was, there was teaching and preaching that the Lord will return any time now. Uh, because of that fulfilled prophecy that was said in Revelation. See, we're in January of 2018. And that particular prophecy happened 70 years ago from this date. So a day in heaven is to a thousand years on earth. We here are set and and driven by time, okay? 24-hour days and 300 and some day calendar years. That's not in heaven, though. See, but Christ knows the day and the time. But he wants us to be ready at any given time, in or out of season, And the Lord is saying to have your waist girded and your lamps burning because many are working diligently and planning for retirement. 
And the Lord is telling us to, uh, us to do that, but in the work of the kingdom. How many people passed away the day before their company had a retirement party for them? Unfortunately, that was all done in vain. I've heard some stories. You see, the Lord paints not just a bigger picture, but an eternal picture that no canvas can hold. Always be dressed for service. And keep your light lit in your lamp. Because we may wait for his return, and we may go to him before he returns here. Now, I myself would, I would love to be raptured at an old age with the opportunity to do as much as possible. But like I've said before, that's not up to me. I just have to stay the course. Now, in the other Gospels, Jesus stated that he would come like a thief in the night. And that was a good illustration because a thief never advertises what time they're going to rob your house. Some houses are prepared and others are not. And when he returns, it will be seen in the same fashion. See, many have tried to predict a date of his return. And we know now that when any mere man does that, that it really should be ignored because no one knows the day or the hour. Not even the angels, says the Lord, knows the day or, or the hour. The angels have no clue. And see, many would be guilty of doing whatever we wanted days before his, of his arrival. You know, then making it right with, making it right with him instead. He knows us too well. Our quality of life is best in living for him at all times versus just kind of waiting for that last minute. See, that's why he said that he'd never say anything. He said he would, that nobody will know the time. If we knew the time, then we would probably, again, be living it up until the day before. He knows us very well. And so, again, like I said, it's best to be ready. It's best to be ready and, and waiting and to be at our best at all times. Because he wants us to be living in his, in his style, in his fashion, in his, his commands. That's why he came. And this is why we have the Gospels. In order to help us to achieve these things. To get ourselves to him. And to make sure that while we're still here, we have that quality of life and that assurance that he, that he gave us here through his Gospel. Now in verse 41 through 48, it says, Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, for him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. You know, when we look at these 
conversations that the Lord was having. A lot of them were amongst themselves, and then others were uh, public teachings as well. But whether amongst themselves or in the public, everything the Lord told them was to go out to the world. But some things were caught on more from those who are the ministers of the people in God's service. Uh, rewards come for doing great things for the Lord. And, and even greater for those who were faithful to the Master and consequences come to all who harm and, and do wrong. And even more so to those who, who claim to be of the Lord because they should know better. Uh, the Lord was giving us instruction on how to live until he comes, or until we come to him, as again I said. The Lord is looking at those keeping watch for him. You know, many are anxiously waiting for his return. And others are saying that, well, it's not going to happen yet for many uh, personal outlooks. But we forget that every day when we leave our home, that uh, that our last day can be that day. We forget even more so that our, our lungs are involuntary muscles, which means that we cannot build our lungs. Which also means that every morning when, when you awake, it's by God allowing it. Uh, the Lord called out the majority in verse 45 about the mindset of the Lord delays his return, so I'm going to beat the servants and be a drunkard. And I mentioned before that if we knew what the, what the, the day of, of or the day before of his return, if we knew that he would return, many would do whatever we wanted. Which he said no one would know his return. And again, praise God for that. Why? Because a common majority hides their sins and exposes their holiness in others' eyes. Now, how often do we seek personal holiness? You know, what's in our hearts when we're alone? And this is the Lord calling everyone out in our actions. Knowing the Master's will and deliberately did not prepare will we'll suffer many stripes, right? And, and many Christians who give their life to Christ like to ask what they can still get away with when they first um, give their lives to the Lord. Can I drink this still? Can I smoke this? Can I still do this? You know, you know God help us to ask what can I do to please God more rather than what we can still get away with. You know, I, I can attest from studying the whole Bible, and from teaching almost the whole Bible, and in my studies in, in Bible college, that though we're in the New Covenant, nowhere is there a new tolerance, nor is there a new tolerance to wrong and things that God detests. Many say that we live in the time of grace, and how, how true that is. But see, we don't gamble with that. We don't gamble with that grace. Because that grace was costly of every drop of pure blood. Okay, and, and we know what that grace was. It was that unmerited favor which is called grace. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, which was God's riches at Christ's expense. And so we must be very, again, very cautious with that grace. And may we take it a little more seriously than, than trying to run with it and saying we could get away with things more. What can we do to please him more than what we can do to get away with? In continuing in verses 49 to 53, Jesus continues to say, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. 
But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For, for from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two, and two against three. Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. You know, as the Lord spoke, I'm sure there was some confusion and fear. Because no one wants to hear about fire. You know, fire was normally seen as the ultimate judgment. Uh, But it was also a way of purifying as well. It it was made known by John the Baptist that as he baptizes with water, that one is coming that baptizes with fire. Like the refining fire of purifying gold or silver. That's what John the Baptist was talking about in the coming of our Lord and Savior. He, He was making known, Jesus was at this point, was making known that his time of suffering was near. He knew the physical pain that was to come. But see, there was also a spiritual pain. As there would be a separation from God as the sins of the world were cast upon the Lord. If you've been in a position where you knew that you were going to suffer in some form of pain, or that your life was going to change drastically, we would be distressed until it was over. But... No one was going to endure what our Lord did. That's the difference. Again, some unsettling things uh, that his coming would uh, cause division and conflict was confusing. Uh, Division of family and in-laws. But we see that today. And we've seen that for years. When, When someone gives their lives to Christ, it's not always a popular decision with friends and with family members. But he wants all together with him. But he knew more than anyone that there would be divisions due to the following of him. There is no middle ground with Christ. Many relationships have been severed by choosing Christ. I know someone who was told by his own sister that he was dead to her, and that was due to walking away from their particular religion that they once belonged to. I've also known many who would say that they used to be so much fun, but now they're a Christian and now they're boring, you know. Uh, The greatest decision was to choose the Lord. Is there a will to choose eternal life over that of approval of friends and family? You know, at times our lives with others were dragging us into a pit. It's those things and activities that both destroys and even ends lives prematurely. Our friends and families cannot offer eternal life. Only Christ Jesus does. Is there a will to risk the family's approval in order to gain eternal life? You know, the Lord was right when he said this. It's happened countless times. And receiving him means changing what we have been doing. Building instead of destroying. Giving instead of taking. Loving instead of hating. Okay, holiness over worldly happiness will lead to eternal blessings is we're going to continue to see what else the Lord says in verse 54 to the end. And then, he also said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, A shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, There will be hot weather, and there is. 
hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and on the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? Yes, and why even of yourselves do you not judge what is right? When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge deliver you to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. And I tell you, you shall not depart from there until you have paid the very last mite. You know, the archery skills of the Lord are amazing. You know, he's the only one I know who can shoot an arrow and hit us between the eyes and at the heart at the same time. You know, farming was one of the largest and oldest occupations in the world. Uh, Cain, Adam and Eve's son, was a farmer. Uh, most in Israel uh, were as one of the world's largest ag agricultural countries in the East. Uh, their focus on the weather was vital due to their livelihood. So they were very with it in focusing on the weather for their livelihood. But you see, the Lord was waking them up to, to some more serious things, which is our, our time, and within that time, some will be here for the return of the Lord, and others will be called into eternity before then. Uh, they were watching for the change of the weather, when we should be watching for the signs of the times. I've heard many hard-hitting eye-openers over the years. And one of them was, is if you had, again, six months to live, as I mentioned before, or a week to live, however long, what would you be doing different? And if there is a long list of things that, you know, that we would be looking at, how bad have we been living over the years? If, if we had a long list of things that we'd be doing differently, how bad have we been living? Uh, these things that the Lord instructs should be carried out now, in all, in all times, because six months or even tomorrow is not guaranteed. Make things right with all people. But first and foremost, with Christ, before God says time's up. The Lord instructed fellow believers to not take each other to court, but to settle their disputes among themselves, and not in court, and not in that fashion. In making things right with the Lord will allow you to make things right with all things and all people. But by blatant sinning, we make God an adversary when we disregard Him. You know, provoking His displeasure is never good. I can attest to that, but I can also attest to His mercy and grace. You know, the last mite that Jesus spoke of in, in verse uh, 59 was the smallest coin. It also had the least worth of an ancient coinage. Uh, but the blood of Christ was the final payment. And anyone that would receive him would not have to worry about paying the mite. They will not have to worry about eternal hell. He delivered us out of, out of God's hands of being an adversary and into God's hands as our father by his sacrifice. Well, the question is always at the end, is which side do you want to be on? You know, I definitely want to be on the side of the Creator who knows all things. And to live and exist in His heavenly realm. Remember what I just said. That He delivered us out of God's hands of being an adversary. And into His hands as our Father. Because there's a choice to be made.
there's a choice to be made whether we want to remain an adversary or whether we want to be a child of the one who created us, the one who knows us best, and the one who most of all loves us more than anything. How can God love me? Why does God love me? I'm sure many people ask. Because he does. My life has been so hard. How can he love me, you know? Well, he does something different with everyone. Some people are put through some different trials than others. Does that mean that you were loved any less? Absolutely not. But he likes to see what we're made of. He wants to see if we're going to put our trust into him. He wants to see if we're going to continue to love him through those harsh times. Or were we just kind of giving that lip service of, yeah, Lord, I'll follow you. As long as I could to, you know, as long as everything's going well, of course. But let's, let's look at the truth. Let's look at God for what he is and who he is. We have a lot of time on our hands here, hopefully, to do that together as we venture through his word. We cannot say we, that we really know who God is until we've read the full word. As I've said before, some look at him and they think that he's, he's this God of love who allows us to do whatever we want. And uh, we're his children and we get to break the rules and get away with it. No, that's false. Uh, others like to think that he's just up there holding a lightning bolt ready to zap us at the very first thing we do wrong. Because he's a sovereign God who puts up with nothing. That, well, he is a sovereign God who, put, who does not put up with things. But to, to look at him in that aspect is wrong as well. Again, the word of his word will reveal who he is. Because his word reveals his word. It reveals his heart, his mind, his hands, his works, his likes, his dislikes. It will reveal that he had a plan for every one of us. And if you're listening, and as the message might seem a little bold, it might seem awakening, I'm not sure. Every message is different. That is the beauty of God's word in every chapter and every verse. You will get something different every time, which is the way it should be. Because our God is a God of perfection. He's a God of diversity. But He's a God who, who loves us and sent His only begotten Son to die for us. And if you believe that, and if you feel that on your heart, that, that you want to receive... Jesus is your Lord and Savior because He did come down to die for our sins. And He did come down to give us a place with Him in eternity. I want you to say this prayer after me if you believe that. And if you want to receive Him as Lord and Savior. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask of you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. As Father, as I receive you into my heart, as my Lord and my Savior and my Father. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would receive me when my time comes, Lord. 
as I am now one of your children. And I thank you for having me, Lord. I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, keep in mind that if you have said that prayer, this was an appointed time for you. He was waiting for you for some time. And that time has finally come. So I want to welcome you into the family of Christ. And I want to welcome you to continue to join us here at A Voice in the Distance. To continue to seek the Lord through His Word. Through prayer. And through a relationship with Him. That will be the best relationship that you could ever have. May God bless you.